very first time in our lives. Father's Day weekend, first family vacation. Out of all of the places in the world we could go on the first vacation ever with our deeply devoted Christ-following 84-year-old father, we flew to Vegas. <laughs> and he is going to kill me for sharing this. But I have to tell you one of the funniest moments of the entire trip. It happened within the first hour. We got there. We're starving. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about my brother and why we really went on this trip and why it was Vegas in a moment. Uh, But my brother had to take care of a couple of things with the business, and he was staying in a hotel. I said, I'll take uh, Dad and Sis, and we'll go down the street and find a place to eat. So we wandered down the street, and just not too far from the uh, hotel where we were staying, uh, the Planet Hollywood Casino and Resort was all there, tons of restaurants, and we stepped inside. It was a restaurant that we could get into. I went over and uh, busied myself with the hostess and gave her our name and so forth, And when I went back over um, to where my dad was waiting, my dad whispers to me, Brian, did you see that woman? I said, what woman? I didn't see a woman. Elaine didn't see a woman. I said, what woman? He goes, that woman had on a see-through dress and not a stitch of clothes underneath it. I was like, really, Dad? I looked twice to make sure. (laughs) You're welcome, Dad. He's sitting in the back shaking his head at me. (laughs) Oh, goodness. He shook his head at the three of us for five straight days. (laughs) So now the original purpose of the trip was a work trip. Um, They have a roofing business, some of you know, and my brother had bought a truck for the roofing business, and the dealer would deliver it to the nearest airport, which happened to be Vegas. Now, The backstory is, for several years, we've wanted to take my dad to see some real mountains or the beach. He's seen none of these things. And so we've talked about it. COVID kind of interrupted the whole thing and derailed some plans we were making. And it never quite got back on track. Well, when they had this little thing come up for the business, my little brother thought, I'm going to grab this opportunity. It's a perfect chance. Dad has to go because it's for the business. And we'll tag along, you know, and turn it into a little piece of the trip we've always wanted to take with them. And so in the span of just five days, we had our first uh, family vacation. My mom, sadly, is housebound and is no longer able to do that kind of thing. But uh, we took my dad on a business trip, got in a little vacation. My dad had his first commercial flight. He saw the desert for the first time. He saw Vegas. Uh, he saw the, the uh, Rocky Mountains. We drove back all the way through the Rocky Mountains National Park on the way home. We stopped at every little place you could stop and took pictures, and I took a lot of pictures of my dad, frankly, because I've seen all that stuff before, but seeing my dad see it was one of the most special things I've ever experienced. The highlight was Father's Day. We surprised him with a helicopter tour over the Vegas Strip and Lake Mead and the Hoover Dam, 110 miles all the way out to the Grand Canyon. When we got to the Grand Canyon, the helicopter sat down in the Grand Canyon on a shelf next to a picnic table where we had snacks and took pictures for about 30 minutes. Yes, it was every bit as amazing as it sounds and more. Now, we're doing the trip for the business. The kids are doing the trip for dad. Dad's doing the trip because he's humoring us. She's a pretty big homebody. 
And I think maybe all of those are the reasons why I got a little sideswiped by what was most impactful for me. For the most consecutive time in my adult life, I watched my dad for five straight days, day and night. And I observed, <clears throat> sorry, dad. He doesn't know I'm doing any of this. <clears throat> I observed a man with apparently no ego. He was perfectly content in every situation. He demanded nothing. He was satisfied with whatever he got. He had to be forced to take that most of the time. He may have been shocked by public nudity. He was not condemning nor judgmental about it. He wasn't embarrassed or uncomfortable by all the things he didn't know or hadn't seen or hadn't done. He smiled and laughed a lot, including at himself. And he expressed gratitude for every meal. Oh, this is really good. He'd be like, Dad, are you going to be able to eat all that? Oh, I'm going to eat all of it. (laughs) And he did. Every hotel room. Man, this bed is really soft. I'm like, yeah, they got soft beds here. And he was in constant awe at the grandeur of the creation that God has made. I had no idea all of this was out here. I didn't know it would be so big. And on the last leg of the road trip home, he said, I need to say something to you kids before we get to the house. And of course, he thanked us for the trip and wanting to include him and how much he enjoyed it. I'm going to have to bear with me a little bit. And then he said, when it's my time to go, I'm going to go in peace, knowing that I'm leaving three people like you in the world to take care of things. This is after spending five straight days with us without a break. (laughs) There's no small thing. (laughs) I'm a ball baby, which you all know. And uh, I was in tears much of the trip. And at that moment, I thought, I'm going to have to open this truck door and bail out because I'm going to have a total breakdown in front of my dad and brother and sister. See, here's the thing. I have a good dad. He's always been a good dad. But for the 60 years of my adult life, I've been watching my dad grow into a really good human. He's not perfect. But if there's anybody I know who has learned from Jesus how to love like Jesus and how to live as Jesus and has gotten a little better at it with every decade that's passed, it's my dad. I'm going to take this. (laughs) Oh, man. And I'm just really deeply grateful for that gift. Because, Dad, you're one of the reasons I don't give up on what God's doing in my life. And you're one of the reasons, Dad, that I'm still convinced God can do that for anybody who really wants it. Because I've seen him do it in you. You may or may not know this about my dad. He still works 40 or 50 hours a week, and he drives our little roofing truck all around everywhere. You'll see him everywhere. He won't see you, but you'll see him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't listen to the radio. He, uh, he reflects, and he writes, and he meditates, and he enjoys the silence and the solitude, and he lets it shape his soul, and I think it's been one of the secrets to his growth, actually. And he writes poems and songs, So when he gets somewhere, he'll stop and he'll write down whatever it was he was composing in his head while he drove. 
And he's given some of you poems and songs that he's written just for you or your family. I've shared a few of them before. I got his permission for this part. (laughs) I asked him if I could share this probably writing that he references the most. It's not a poem nor a song. Uh, But he'll, he'll bring it up in conversation with you frequently if you ever get around to talking about his writing. And I think it's what best explains the transformation that Jesus has made in my dad's life. He calls it clean your heart out. (laughs) He's talking about accounts. And when he's talking about the accounts, he's talking about all of the things that other people have done wrong to him and the account of those things. I went into my account room where I've kept a record of the accounts I have of the relationships with people down through my life. And I was amazed how many books there were. It was with grandparents and parents and siblings and fellow workers and school teachers and army buddies. There were so many accounts, it just burdened me down so that I was lower than a snake's belly. And the Lord spoke to me and asked me what I was doing. And I told him, I'm just going over the accounts I have with all the people in my lifetime, and it is burdening me so. And he replied with such gentle kindness, why haven't you brought them to me? Didn't I promise to help you bear your burdens? And so I gave him the account books, and I told him they were right and true accounts. In fact, each book was labeled right and true. In other words, these things happened. And then the Lord said gently, Melvin, how shall I deal with your account? With right and true or with truth and grace? And I quickly replied, oh, Lord, with truth and grace. And then he said, shouldn't you deal with others the same? And so I took back the account books, and I began to relabel them, truth and grace. And as I did so, I noticed they seemed to be lighter, and then uh, lighter than before. And so I began to open them, and they were all empty. Every page was blank. My spirit became so light, I began singing. I felt like I was floating on air. The moral of this story is that your account books will always be empty if you follow the way of Jesus with truth and grace. I call it the three Fs, forgiveness, full and free. Nothing in my life has so impacted my life like the story of grace given to others demonstrated on the cross. He said, you shall be free indeed. Amen? Thank you for that, Dad. Jesus summed all that up in a single sentence. He said, pray this way. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You probably recognize that from the Lord's Prayer. We've been digging into it sort of line by line over the last few weeks. It's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which we're traveling through for a couple of years around here. Jesus gives his disciples a framework for how to pray. We said a family prayer. Pray this way. Leslie reminded us a couple of weeks ago that when we pray, hallowed be your name, (laughs) we're not just 
promising God I won't cuss in certain ways. We're saying, I want to bear your name with the respect and the honor it deserves in the world. I'm going to hallow your name the way I live my life. Jeremiah last week reminded us when we pray for our daily bread, it's way more than a food prayer. There's so much more attached to that. And it's not a me prayer. It's a we prayer. It was beautiful. And today I get to proclaim some good news to you about this next part of the Lord's Prayer. This, friends, is such good news. The self-sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus declare that all the sin of the whole world is abolished and forgiven. We experience that forgiveness when we acknowledge that we need it, when we trust that we have it. But if we then refuse to release those who've wronged us, our capacity to enjoy our forgiveness is diminished. Jesus makes this abundantly clear when after he gives us the whole Lord's Prayer, he circles back around and doubles down on one little part of it. Now, I'm going to skip there for just a moment because wouldn't you know the part he picks out to double down on is this part about forgiveness. It must be that important. He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I think sometimes we hear what Jesus is not saying (laughs) when we read that particular couple of verses. I want to be sure before we leave here today, you hear what Jesus is saying. I think, first of all, he's reminding us that we forgive others because God has forgiven us, not so God will forgive us. So let's be sure we get that right. Forgive us our debts as we also, as we likewise have forgiven our debtors. We're joining with you in this big forgiveness thing, God. In fact, uh, one thing that I, it's kind of, I don't know that I really thought of before, but when you think about the fact that Jesus says, pray this way. And he includes a sentence about forgiveness in the prayer. A prayer that apparently we're supposed to pray regularly. N.T. Wright points out, Jesus assumes we'll need to ask for forgiveness, not on one or two rare occasions, but very regularly. This is a sobering thought, but it's matched by the comforting news that forgiveness is freely available as often as we need it. Amen? Amen? So if we're going to include in our regular prayers, forgive us as we forgive others. (laughs) This is a regular need to pray this way. And always forgiveness is ours. Full and free and forgiveness. That's where it starts. I need it regularly. This is not where it stops. Others needing my forgiveness is one of the most recurring themes in the entire New Testament writings. I had a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and I shared a verse that I always share at weddings from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Again, this idea of keeping short accounts. Because when you have anger that you don't deal with, when you have anger that you're not done with, it isn't that that anger is the problem. It's what we're doing with that anger. Unresolved anger is a foothold for the enemy to have a little darkness in our life and for the bitterness in our hearts about that wrong, that account, in my dad's words, to just eat away at our well-being. We cannot be well. We cannot become human again, friends, if we don't receive the forgiveness God has freely given us already in Christ. It's ours. What Jesus did on that cross was for everybody. All the sin of the world. Think about this for a moment. All the sin of the world, past, 
present, future, vanquished forever by the self-sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus. Everything is already forgiven as far as God's concerned. He's just waiting for us to wake up and take it, reach out and receive it. Trust me enough that you'll actually learn to live in that forgiveness. You are fully, forever forgiven. And the day you wake up to that, the day you just trust that, let it in, surrender to it. Friends, that is the day you'll want to be the first in line to give that away to somebody else because you'll want everybody to feel and to know what you know the day you relabel the account books. That's because this is good news. Every one of us in here needs this news today. The self-sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus declare the sin of the whole world is abolished and forgiven. We experience that forgiveness when we acknowledge, I need it. When we trust, I get it, I have it. But if we then refuse to release those who've wronged us, our capacity to enjoy that forgiveness is greatly diminished. It's because our unforgiveness of others blocks our enjoyment of the forgiveness we have from God. Listen to Jesus again. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now we know after the cross, all the sins are forgiven. But friends, we are so capable of getting in our own way, aren't we? Are we capable of getting in our way and just closing down our ability to enjoy God's love and forgiveness? You bet we are. And you know what's at the top of that list every single time? Unforgiveness. I can't forgive me. <laughs> I want that. Not, not that there's anything wrong with the rewind button, Christine, but I want that rewind button, right? And we know there's no rewind button. But my goodness, there's a forgiveness button full and free. Praise God, right? Man, but sometimes I can't forgive myself for all those things I'd like to do differently if I could go back. And sometimes I won't forgive others for whatever wrong they've incurred against me. And when that happens, the devil gets a little foothold in our lives to wreak havoc in us. We'll find ourselves saying we know we're forgiven, but friends, we are not enjoying it anymore. Or Sky Jatani says, Jesus knows our souls need forgiveness as surely as our bodies need daily bread. But forgiving, receive, uh, uh, receiving forgiveness is not enough. A healthy soul must also give it. Unforgiveness is like cancer to your soul, friends. Studies, non-religious studies, show that people who hold on to grudges have higher rates of cancer and strokes and other diseases, often they have less satisfying relationships with other people. They're less happy overall than people who learn to let go of grievances. Forgiveness is a two-way street. I take it in, I give it out. <laughs> if I can't or won't take it in, I can't give it out. If I say I won't give it out, it won't be long before I can't take it in. Forgiveness is for everyone, or at the end of the day, it's for no one. Right again says the heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered. <laughs> Friends, there's a lot at stake here. You know this. You feel this. 
because it's so deeply, it's so deeply embedded in all of us, this desire to be forgiven, to have forgiveness, to be free forever. Our souls are crying out for it. And that's why this today is such good news. The self-sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus declare the sin of the whole world is abolished and forgiven forever. Amen? Man, that's good news. We get to experience that forgiveness when we simply acknowledge, I need it. (laughs) I'm going to trust that I've got it. I'm just going to surrender to that. But we can also shut it down if we refuse to release the ones who've wronged us. Because our capacity, capacity to enjoy that forgiveness will be greatly diminished. It may even get to the point where we feel like we're not forgiven at all. I talked earlier about the 10 practices for coming and how we're drilling down on them these days. In August, we talked a lot about the first one. I noticed God at work in and around me, and that's the foundational practice in our Get Row groups. And I, I get to lead two of those now on Tuesday nights, which is such a joy. A couple of weeks ago, as we each share one thing we've noticed in the past week, on that particular day, I noticed this, and I'm not sure why it stood out to me so much that day, But it did. It was just like a, wow. Wow, yeah. Here's what I share with them. We always try to get it down into a sentence. By God's grace, I am predisposed to trust and love people even after decades of disappointment and betrayal. Let me say that again. By God's grace, I am predisposed to trust and love people even after decades. I'm about to turn 60 this spring. Decades of disappointment and betrayal in people. Anybody who's lived has been disappointed or felt betrayed. Amen? Amen? Anybody who leads other people and feels responsibility for them, and I think especially in ministry where so much is at stake with the soul, feels that too, maybe in a compounded way. And after 30 years of doing this, I've been hurt a lot. I've been disappointed in a lot of people. And by God's grace, it is easier today for me not to keep accounts of that wrongdoing than it has ever been. Do not mistake my eyes being closed. My eyes are wide open these days to what people could do and what's at stake and what we're all capable of. And I know this about my heart. I still want to trust people. I still want to love the next one I haven't met yet, even though the last one I met cut my heart out. And friends, that is no small thing in my life. And uh, you don't know me as well as I know me. And you might say, well, Brian, you're just kind of a nice guy like that. You know what I would say? I'd say that I chose a long time ago what I wanted more. In fact, I distinctly remember saying in an especially difficult season, I do not want to grow old with a hard heart. I want to be a soft-hearted old guy who can still cry and who still knows how to love people well. And I don't always get it right. I don't have a 100% track record. But I know that's what I want. And I want that more than self-protection. I want that more than my comfort zone. And so I keep choosing it over and over again, like my dad. Like my dad. (laughs) And the other day, for some reason, it just struck me. I think it's actually happening. I think maybe that's just who I really am becoming, you know. It felt so stinking good felt so stinking good. The self-sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus declare the sin of the whole world is abolished and forgiven. 
We experience that forgiveness when we simply acknowledge we need it, when we reach out and trust that it's ours. But if we then refuse to release those who've wronged us, our capacity to enjoy our own forgiveness is diminished. And I guess I'm just glad I'm still enjoying my forgiveness these days. How about you? You ever thought about what you want more? What kind of person you want to become? Are you willing to practice some things now so you can be that person later? <laughs> we have this tool we use for I choose what I want more uh, called Words Works Once uh, that we really drill down on and get real groups. We've talked about it, I think, here in the gathering. I'm pretty sure Jeremiah has used it before. Uh, it, it's a real great tool. And I just want to show you something on it real quickly. We often say that where most of us sadly live our lives is above the waterline of awareness, at the level of words and works. So I may say in my words, I know that I should forgive them. <laughs> or in my works, I may, I, may, I may tell myself, I'm trying really hard today to be nice. This is where our beliefs and behaviors are the only things running our lives. We're just trying to comply with what we know we should do or be. And what we really need is to drop below the waterline of awareness and get to our wants, the desires of our hearts, good, bad, or ugly, see them, know them, name them, so that we're in a position to then say, ooh, I see what I want. I want to feel self-protected. I want to never hurt like this again. <laughs> I want to never be let down by the next person. Or I want to become a soft-hearted old guy who still knows how to love. I can't close my heart down or I won't become that guy. I want to forgive others the way my father has forgiven me. That's what I want. Now again, friends, I'm not saying we all just go, oh, let's go after the Sunday school answer then. Probably not. There are some hurts and some pain so deep. We just want to hang out with it for a while, you know? But at least you can name it now. And at least you can look at it honestly and say, I happen to want both these things which is why eventually we have to choose which one we want more. That's words works once. <laughs> what do you want? You have any drawers full of accounts that you really want to clean out? Any books that are rightly labeled true and right, this is what happened, that you'd love to relabel as truth and grace? Any of those pages you've been thumbing through, checking out all the accounts of the wrong done to you that you'd love the next time you open that book to see the pages empty so you didn't have to wade through any of that stuff again? If that's you, friend, it's okay to acknowledge there was a wrong committed. It's okay to give yourself permission to feel it, to grieve over it. Forgiving somebody does not mean I minimize the pain or the wrong done. That's not the same as, we don't say, oh, I, it didn't really matter. No. If, there's not, if there was no wrong and there's no pain, then there was nothing to forgive, right? You've mislabeled the whole thing. If it hurt, if it's, if it's something that needs to be forgiven, it probably hurt. Just let Jesus meet you in that hurt. We say God meets us in reality. It's the only place we can meet him. He cares about your pain and your hurt even more than you do. So own it, name it, feel it, and let him be with you in it. And then remember... This same God has forgiven me so many debts. There are so many other people who have accounts in their lives with my name in them. 
things that I've done and said that have hurt them and cut their heart out and disappointed them. And my God has forgiven me of all those things. Can we take some time right now, just in case there's somebody in the room who wants to turn some accounts over to God <laughs> they've been holding on to? Can we just pause? We're going to end our, our day just by pausing in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Some person who's hurt you or wronged you. By the way, heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me remind you of one other thing. Don't forget that only God knows why they did what they did. Only he fully understands if they did that out of their free will with full intention and knowledge or if they did it out of hurts that were also done to them. That's why Scripture tells us to let God hold them accountable, that if you want real justice, let God do it. Justice is not something for us. <laughs> he says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. In fact, our Scriptures tell us if you see your enemy hungry, go buy them lunch. If he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. I don't think you can do that unless you can forgive. So why don't we pray for some enemies right now? <laughs> Name some names. Name the pain. And then thank God that you have forgiveness full and free forever. And tell him, I know what I want. I know what I want more. I want all the accounts to be cleared that I've been holding on to, God. I'm going to surrender them to you. Show me how. I'm going to give you a couple moments to sit with that, and I'll pray for all of us. Father, I can't imagine the enormous weight of hurt and wrong just in this room that we've felt and, Father, that we've inflicted. Thank you for forgiveness, full and free forever. Lord, if there's somebody here who's struggling to receive that, I pray that something today, Lord, your spirit working in their lives right now, will compel them just to trust you that it's true, to begin acting and believing like it really is theirs. And Father, for all of the accounts that we've held in our account rooms against others, I pray that you would uh, give us the grace, Lord, to relabel every book the way we want ours labeled from you. And Lord, would you clear every page and free us from the burden of carrying those accounts day after day. Father, we thank you for this good news of the forgiveness we have in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that your people of Meadow Heights Church would just trust you enough, dare you enough to live as if it's completely true this week. May we surrender to the light burden, the easy yoke that you give us in Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that good news? Amen. <laughs>
Jeremiah said something so I so appreciated last week. As we got ready to pray the Lord's Prayer at the end of the gathering, he said, I hope that as we're talking about this line by line, that maybe when we pray it the next time, it means a little bit more, you know? Because we're so familiar with it, it can become just almost rote, right? We're, we're mostly just trying to get through it without making a mistake so the person next to us doesn't hear us not knowing the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> what if we prayed it with more meaning, more depth, and more beauty? So we're going to do that again today, Jay. <laughs> I'm going to put it on the screen so we have the same words if you want to be on point for the person next to you. But I hope as we pray this today, maybe the meaning has just unfolded a little bit more again today for all of us. Would we pray this, please? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Goodness, it's coming so alive in my own heart through this series. I'm just loving every single message every single week. Our third practice, by the way, for learning from Jesus is I notice God at work. I choose what I want more when I get real honest about what I want. I surrender to God's love. Maybe some of you did that today. You took the first step at least. You may need a little help figuring out what would that actually look like in my real life. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. We'd love to help. See one of us. We're going to be talking more about surrendering to God's love for the month of October. And we also have some folks who would love to pray with you today. I'm going to ask, uh, I think we have Ursula and Michael Castle coming. Would you guys come up just one into the other of the stage? If you just need, sometimes it's... it's Sometimes it's in the moment we feel like, I need prayer and I need it right now. I just want somebody to say my name in prayer with me, you know? And maybe we don't always know whom to ask or it feels awkward to ask. And so we're doing this the last few weeks so you don't have to worry about asking or it feeling awkward because that's what they're here for. They'd love to pray with you. You can share something detailed with them. You can just give them your name and say, just pray for me. They'll keep it confidential. And they'd consider it an honor to pray with you before we leave if there's something that you need to pray with them about. See one of the pastors if you need to talk to us about something that feels deep or weighty or serious on your heart and you just got to talk it out, let us know or we'll make an appointment to connect with you by phone or in person this week, all right? But this thing is real. I forgive others as I myself have been forgiven by God. And what a joy and what a freedom it is to walk in that forgiveness. Would you stand to your feet? Because right now... Right now, my friend, <laughs> you get to decide, you get to choose whether you want to go out and live in that forgiveness for the next 167 hours. You just want to be light as a bird all day today thinking about how forgiven you are and how all those accounts in your account room can be cleaned out by God. You can trust that it's really true <laughs> or not. Your choice. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'll set you free and you will be free. Indeed. Go be free, people. We'll see you next week for the next part of the prayer. You're dismissed.